0: Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. Father, we, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for what Jesus uh, did on the cross, what happened in the resurrection, and as he's poured out his spirit, and, uh, and, and we're here this morning. And I thank you for this room and the the people that you've brought. It's no accident that they're here this morning. Uh, So we ask that you'd speak to us. We pray for Redstone and um, for Jeff as he preaches there, as they are gathered to worship you. And we ask that you would move. We pray that your spirit would bring our hearts to life, that you would um, encourage and strengthen and do all the things that you want to do that only you can do. We ask that you would do those things in our lives today, and we ask that in Jesus's name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Good deal. Glad you're here. I like amens, by the way, so if you just feel something welling up inside of you, you just let it rip. That'd be just fine with me. Um, we are, we're going to be talking about discipleship today, and to get us warmed up, I want you to Go with me back to a moment, I think one of, one of the great moments in, uh, in the life of Jesus, where he is gathering with his disciples for the last time before he ascends to heaven. And as he gathers with them, he looks out at this group of folks that have been following him for a few years, and, and he says this incredibly uh, famous phrase, uh, statement that we, we call it the great commission, but he looks out at them and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he looks at them and he says, now go and make disciples. Now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus' final words to his disciples and, and I, I, we talked about the Great Commission just a few weeks back, and when you think about that, I think one of the, it's, it's pretty easy, I think, for us to think about, well what were they feeling when Jesus was talking to them? What kind of excitement, what kind of energy was going on as they were listening to this man who had been, he, had, he had been resurrected, he had come back from the grave, and they knew that everything that he said was true. What were they feeling? But also, what was Jesus thinking as he looked out? at that crowd of people, people just like us, I think there was great hope. There was joy, there was an energy, there was a twinkle in his eye as he looked out at that crowd of people and he said, you're gonna go. You're gonna go and you're gonna make disciples and you're gonna teach them to observe everything that I've commanded and I'm going to be with you. So there was this excitement in Jesus as he was sending out those first disciples and they went, we are the Proof, the result of those first disciples going out and beginning to tell others about Jesus. And it kept going and going and going and going. And our key scripture today is a moment that I think the Apostle Paul takes to talk about his pursuit of of fulfilling the great commission. And it's the place that I'd like you to turn to right now. It's Colossians one. So if you would turn to Colossians one, if you've got a digital Bible, it'll be easy. If you've got a paper one, you're gonna have to find it and flip through it. Uh, One way you you can remember is there's General Electric Power Company. Are these uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And that's how you can navigate your way through your your paper version uh, of the Bible. And look in Colossians chapter one, And towards the end of the chapter in verse 28, this is the place where I think we see Paul talking about how he was walking out the Great Commission. And and he's going to start, he's talking about how he's been proclaiming Jesus. And so verses 28 through 29 of Colossians chapter 1, it says, Him we proclaim, Jesus Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Those are our verses. It's just two. Let me read them for you just one more time. We love God's word. Let's chew on it together. It says this Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone, just like it says in the Great Commission, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Those are our Verses for today, and there's a great paraphrase of the Bible called the Message that I. It's helpful to me when I'm reading. I, I like to switch over to that and take a, a look at how that's uh, rephrased there. And I want to read it to you so you can think about what's Paul saying here. Here's a, a paraphrase of those verses. The mystery, in a nutshell, is just this: Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. That's going to be one of our key words today. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. To be mature, that's the goal, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul was giving his life to helping people go deeper and deeper in their discipleship to Jesus. That's what he would, that's what he was pouring his life out with and that's what he talks about in this verse. And that's what I want us to talk about today is how we can go deeper in our discipleship to Jesus. Uh, We're actually, we're in a series, it's just three parts where we're talking about the rhythms of Redeemer. And we believe that there are three rhythms that as you incorporate them into your life, you're going to find yourself going deeper and deeper and deeper in your discipleship to Jesus. The first rhythm is the obvious one, Sunday morning coming here is a, that's a smart move. You want to grow with Jesus, show up here, lean in, sing hard. Uh, listen as we, as we, the word is preached, pray, we take communion together. All those things are tremendous means of grace. Uh, and I'll never forget it. Uh, grew up in church, didn't know Jesus for 17 years. Although I was in church every Sunday, uh, and then, uh, came to know Jesus and it was so wonderful. I showed up at church the next week and suddenly I was like, this preacher's on fire this sermon's not boring. I've been falling asleep to these things for 17 years, and now suddenly something's going on. Uh, I remember seeing, we we were a traditional church with a choir, and I said, give me one of those green robes. I'm going to go stand right there beside the lady with blue hair because I want to worship. Something changes when you come to know Jesus, and this rhythm of gathering on Sunday mornings becomes a defining rhythm in our lives. And so that's the first one. Uh, Another rhythm is gathering with people throughout the week, whether that's in a community group or maybe it's a Bible study. But that kind of a rhythm, incorporating that into our life, that's what Jeff actually spoke about this last week. If you weren't here, you can go check out that message. But being part of a a group of people, a smaller group of people that meet during the week, is a life-changing rhythm. It helps you in your discipleship to Jesus because you get to know others, they get to know you, and you get to walk together and really support each other. It's it's impossible to know everybody and walk with everybody that's in this room, but when you are part of a a smaller group like a Bible study or community group, you get connected in a deeper way. And so if you've not done that, if that's not been part of your life, I want to encourage you to pursue that. I think that it'll make a huge difference in your discipleship to Jesus. But there's another deeper rhythm that I wanted us to talk about as we're pursuing God. Uh, that's the topic of today is this idea of deeper discipleship. And as I was thinking about it, uh, it's all about disciples, making disciples. And if you may not know, but our, our mission statement as a church, it says that our mission is to make disciples who enjoy Christ, love his friends and engage the world. We had a bunch of people at our partnership class yesterday and we, we talked with them about that. But that's what we're all about. If you're wondering, what is this church? What are we focusing on? I want, I want that to be clear for you. As one of your pastors, I want it to be clear. This is what we, I want you to get on the same page with us on this, that we are all about making disciples who enjoy Christ, who love his friends and who engage the world. And uh, Jim Fickley unpacked that yesterday in our uh, partnership class and he used John 15, which talks through how, uh, we are, how Jesus says, man, I want you to abide in me. I want my joy to be in you. Uh, I want you to love each other. And then you're gonna be engaging the world and going out and bearing witness in the world. And so John 15 is a great passage that talks about all those aspects of being a disciple but there's something, when you think about those three ideas, I want you to do some thinking now. When you think about loving God uh, or enjoying Christ, loving his friends and engaging the world, there's a great parallel between what some people have called the three greats. All right, can you say three greats? I need you to try a little bit harder. Can you say three three greats? What's so great about these greats, let me tell you, the first one is the great commandment. and This is Jesus quoting the Old Testament where he says, somebody says, what's the greatest commandment? What's this thing all about? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the greatest commandment. That's number one. If you, do, if you need to boil everything up, you do not have to be a scholar. You do not have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a genius. I can make it real simple for you. This is what it's all about love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the first and greatest commandment. Now, the challenge is, is that while Jesus wants it to be first, we have this problem. And St. Augustine talked about this issue in our hearts. He says, he called them disordered loves. Instead of loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we find other things and we put them at the top or we put them in the center. And the bad news is, Those things make lousy gods. Your job, you put that at the center and it's the most important thing in your life. It's a lousy God. It's gonna let you down. Your your wealth, your relationships, your kids, your kids make lousy gods. (laughs) Don't put them at the center of your life. Put Jesus there. That's our problem is we have disordered loves. We put other things first. And so God is constantly calling us back to make the first commandment first, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way that we term that for us is we said to enjoy Christ. And so the the first thing that I want to encourage you with and challenge you with today is that you would make this coming year together that you would say, I want to learn how to enjoy Christ. I want to learn what does that look like? What does that feel like? Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the greatest, greatest theologians ever, uh, very heavy, heavy intellect, but also this huge heart for God. And he said, I can tell you all about honey. I can, I can write down, we can describe how sweet it is and what the texture's like and how wonderful it is. But until you taste it yourself, you don't really know honey. You don't really know it. And so, and he said, and that's the same, it's the same with God. We can learn all kinds of theological truths about him, but until you taste and see that the Lord is good, experientially, you, you're missing out. And so God invites us to taste and see that he is good, to enjoy him. And so that's that first part of deeper discipleship is that we're learning how to enjoy God, how to connect with him. It is the decisive factor in your life will be how you learn to abide in Christ and really enjoy him and and experience that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And that's, that's that first step that we're talking about today with discipleship. Um, one of our family life verses is Psalm 16, And it says that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is inviting you into that, into that relationship with him. That is better that is filled with his joy. And that's David writing, and, and I know, I wanna just talk to the fellas for a minute because sometimes guys can kinda of have this kind of this approach like, I don't want, I'm not gonna get into that spiritual stuff and it seems kinda, of, I don't know, weird, wimpy, mystical, strange. I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll I'm into all my other things but I'm not going there. The guy that wrote what I just quoted to you, King David, he was the, the kinda of guy that could organize an entire kingdom massive entrepreneur okay he could figure things out he was a warrior that was the kind of guy that could like punch through your chest and grab your spine and then pull it back out so so he if you had to say was he a man's man yes he was a dude he was a true dude and he was passionate and focused on God's presence he went after God's presence in a powerful way and so fellas that call is for you too that you would know God in that kind of a deep way. He is a consuming fire, pursue him. And so we see that example with David, but one of the things that will sink us, if if connecting with God and enjoying him is first and foremost the most essential part of growing deeper in our discipleship, there are things that can sidetrack that, that can keep us from that, and one of the biggest ones is not knowing what to do with your sin. Not knowing what to do with your sin, and, because we all sin. <laughs> We've all got it. And the question is, will you learn what to do with that? And so when we read in the scriptures, we see uh, places like Romans 8.13 that says, if you live according to your normal desires of your flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the works of the flesh, you will live. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the works of the flesh, you will live. That's Romans 8.13. And uh, uh, John Owens, a Puritan pastor, he rephrased that and he said, Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And so one of my um, prayers for us as a community is that we can be a community that knows what to do with our sin. Not a community that pretends that it's not there or that if somebody does sin, you kick them to the curb. Those are probably the two ditches that Christian communities fall into. Either they pretend that everything's fine or they totally freak out. But the gospel is right in the middle of that. And the gospel gives us this place where we can go and bring our sin. There's nothing that you have done that is bigger than the cross. There's nothing that has been done to you that is bigger than the power of Jesus's blood. And so one of the ways that Jesus is inviting you to go deeper with him is to experience his power and his grace when you are real about the sin in your life. The confession of sin is a key to discipleship to Jesus. And we know that because when you read places like 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 8 through 9. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That means it's meant to be a normal thing in among the people of God that we confess our sins. Now, I know most of you are freaking out right now. If you're really actually thinking about, would I really do this? <laughs> Could I really do this? You would freak out, because that's, cause we, we just shut down. Most of us, when we think about having to be totally real and honest about the sin in our lives, we shut down. We want to hide and just pretend and do anything but talk with somebody about it. Jeff said this last week. He said, sin isolates. And that's what it does. It'll, it'll make you just want to, I'll just, I'll figure it out. I'll just, it'll just be me and my issue and somehow I'll get through it. You won't. God didn't design us to do, make it on our own. He designed us to live in community, and that's why James can say something like, confess your sins to one another. And I'll tell you what, guys, it, I'm just speaking as one human to another that it is life-changing to have people that love Jesus, that know the gospel, that I trust, that I can talk to and I can say, here's my sin and lay everything out there and have them say, Jesus Christ, his blood covers that sin. His spirit sets you free from that. You are a new creation. That's not really who you are. You are a new creation. And then to have them pray with me and pray for me and pray that that sin would be put to death, it happens. It happens. I can tell you the personal stories in my life. And so... I wanna encourage you as you hear the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then you realize there, is, there are things that keep me from that. Sin keeps me from that. Sin is actually is loving other things in place of God. And so what do I do about that? I wanna encourage you, confession of sin brings deeper discipleship. It brings life to us. And, uh, and so that's, that's the first thing that, that I wanted to get with you. Uh, And land with us today is that idea of confessing sin. Now, the question is, well, how does that happen? Where does that happen? And when you think about, uh, we we said that we're making disciples who enjoy Christ, who love his friends and engage the world. Think about that, that second idea, loving his friends, which echoes the second great commandment. Jesus said the first great commandment, love the Lord your God. And then the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, to love others. And so he's, he's talking about the relationships that we have with those around you. And the best place for confession of sin is within a few trusted Christian friends that you're walking with. That's the best place and that, that you walk with over time. That's the best place to get encouraged in how you are enjoying Christ. That you've got some friends that will really say, hey, are you, are you connecting with God? How's that going? that you have those kinds of conversations. Those two conversations are powerful in our lives in helping us in our discipleship to Jesus. And so we've got that idea of loving our neighbor, of enjoying Christ, of loving each other. And one of the things that, when you think about the rhythms that we have in our church, I I want you to kind of, I want you to think about this. There's a large group rhythm that we have around this room okay and we experience one degree of community here it's i love seeing everybody i love singing together it's so encouraging to be here together that's one type of relationship and encouragement community that we experience but then there's another type that happens when you're in a community group and you experience a deeper level of encouragement a deeper level of friendship and connection walking together being together but then there's we need these other a one a different type of rhythm Uh, a more, a closer rhythm. And uh, some people call those discipleship groups. Uh, I think campaigners, um, you've got uh, D groups. uh, In the Emmaus community, they call them reunion groups. Uh, John Wesley called them bands, little groups that got together. But all through history, we see people realizing, hey, I need this other rhythm in my life. I need a few close people that I walk with over time that really know me and that I can be totally honest with and, and we can walk together, we can enjoy Christ together, we can put sin to death together, and we can engage the world together. And I need that rhythm in my life. And so I want to just kind of start to, if you've never thought about that or heard about something like that, I just want to kind of put that out there, put that on the menu for you. Because over this year, we're going to be talking about that. There's going to be some opportunities Bryce talked about this during the, the mentions this morning about how as we launch out in our, our men's ministry and women's ministry, uh, that there are gonna be opportunities for you to come and grow deeper as a disciple to Jesus, whether that's through a, a women's Bible study or through a women's discipleship group or whether the, the men, guys, we're gonna be doing this thing called 33, the series based on the life of Jesus. We're gonna tell you all about it next Sunday night. Um, you, if you can plug into that, Do it. It will be life changing. It will be life changing. Um, It'll have both of that large group kind of thing and then some small groups where you're going to get to know some guys that'll walk with you and and help you in your discipleship to Jesus. So, those are some rhythms that we're going to see happening over this year in deeper discipleship. But the last thing that Jesus said well, first we got the great commandment, love the Lord your God. Then the second greatest commandment, love others. And then the other great, I said there were three greats. That third great is the Great Commission, where he says, make disciples, make disciples. And so that is also part of your deeper discipleship to Jesus is how you are personally walking out that commandment and that mission that Jesus has given to every single one of us. He said, and I'm gonna be with you. I know you're freaking out, so I'm gonna be with you as you go to make disciples. And when he says make disciples, he's really, he's talking about two things. One, he's talking, about, he's talking about evangelism, being able to share the truth of the gospel, being able to share your own story with another person and help them to come to know Jesus. He's talking about evangelism. He's also talking about then what happens when they put their faith in Jesus? How can you walk with another person to help them know Jesus better? What does that look like? That's that, dis- that deeper discipleship that God is inviting us into. And, and so over as we, as we journey together as a church, uh, our, our great prayer is that we, are, we become a culture. We have a culture of discipleship where you are growing deeper and deeper, where you're not the same person you were. Uh, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. When we walk with Jesus, he takes us right where we are, but then he begins to change and transform us through the power of his grace, and it is so good. And he, as we are doing that, he's inviting us to learn how to help other people, the others around us to say, I am not only growing into maturity in my discipleship to Jesus, but I am also, I know I'm learning how to do that and help other people. And I am actually fulfilling the great commission that's our that's the challenge before us today and as we think about that discipleship is a lifelong process it's a lifelong it's not like something you just go, go through you can go through a class and i'm good i've got it it's a lifelong process that we keep coming back and hearing from god day by day and week by week and paul says this and this is in philippians 3 uh, verses 12 through 15, he says, not that I have already obtained to this or am already perfect and mature, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature Think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. That's what that's Paul writing about. It. I'm forgetting what lies behind, but I'm going to press on. I'm growing. I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm continuing to pursue Him, and so the Holy Spirit will work in us and through us to do that, and not only to deepen us in our discipleship to Jesus, but in the way that we disciple others. Paul told Timothy, he said, "Timothy, I want you to go find faithful men." who will be able to, that you can entrust the gospel to, who will be able to entrust it to other faithful men. And he set up a pattern. He, so there's Paul, who passed it on to Timothy, who passed it on to these faithful men, who he says will be able to pass it on to some other people. And so it keeps on going down this chain that is meant to continue till Jesus comes back. And we can be part of that and learn how, how that plays out in our, in your relationships with two or three other people that you could pass on the truth of the gospel to. And imagine what would happen if uh, just a couple people, let's say two people in this room said, I'm going to run with that. I'm going to find three other folks and I'm going to pass on these things and help them become disciples to Jesus. And then, uh, and and they'll say you spend a year with them. And then at the end of that year, they say, hey, we love this. This is so good. We've gotten to know Jesus so well. But we've got some friends that we want to gather with. And we want want to really walk with them in the same way that you walked with us. And so suddenly, instead of just that first group of people, it's multiplied. And then imagine the next year, if that thing happens again, and it multiplies. And then imagine the next year, and it multiplies again. I had a friend... Uh, not a friend, a, a guy that i was uh, listened to that was uh, talking about how his church cultivated a, a, a culture of discipleship. And the first year that they said, we're really going to pursue this, there were just 12 folks. And then the next year there was maybe 30. Then the next year there was, you know, let's say 90 people. He said after about five or six years, there were about 1,500 people that, had got, that were connected to our church that were all learning how to walk with Jesus. It went from just two to that. That's the way the kingdom of God grows, but it takes time. It takes time. We're not into microwave Christianity. Um, we know that it takes time for us to walk with Jesus and that he transforms us slowly over time and that we're here together. We're here together on this journey and it's a long obedience in the same direction as God shapes our hearts and disciples us. Uh, and we learn how to disciple others. And what a joy. You know, there were people who discipled me and helped me. I, I can remember working at a summer camp where uh, that one of the speakers, he met with the staff, and he said, I want to tell you guys about a quiet time, which is something I had never heard of. I'd just become a Christian. And so he lays out this idea of, like, get your Bible, read a little bit, uh, pray a little bit, uh, maybe you want to sing something, and, but get some time alone with God. And it was, I'd never heard that. Suddenly, boom, Light bulb goes on. And it was like, and there were a bunch of other dudes that I was there with and we all kind of got in. I remember this one guy, he was like, yeah, man, I'm having my quiet time. And so he would get up early in the morning and go out to the putt-putt course. And I'll never forget like getting up out and walking out of the cabin at the camp and I'm seeing this dude and he's like on his face at hole number nine, uh, you know, praying and having this God encounter. I was like, well, that's great. Glad you're doing that out on the putt-putt course. Um, But it was a light bulb that went on to say, yeah, carve out some time to be with God carve out some time. And the same guy, he said, memorize scripture, hide it in your heart that because the the, the scripture says, I have, I've treasured your word in my heart. I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's transformative. And he he laid that out there. Another light bulb went on in my discipleship to Jesus. And so, um, I can't wait to when Jesus makes all things new, I'm going to get to see a lot of those people that discipled me that have passed on I can't wait to be there and see the people that I've helped to get to know Jesus. What a day to celebrate together that we got to know Jesus better and that we did that together in deeper discipleship. That's what the Lord is inviting us to in these rhythms of life that we share together as a church. As we think about coming on Sunday mornings, as we think about gathering during the week, as we think about pursuing deeper discipleship together. Jesus invites us into that. And I want to close with this, uh, a passage from Isaiah. In Isaiah, there are four times where Jesus sings. They're called the servant songs. You can look them up. There are four times where Isaiah, having these prophetic experiences, he got to hear Jesus sing. And I wanna share some of the lyrics from one of those songs. This is Jesus singing. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples so that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient nor did I turn back. This is Jesus, he's singing these lines about how God wakes him, how the Father wakes him up each morning and he had an ear to listen and learn. That's what a disciple does. I wake up, when I wake up, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying to me today? First thing he says, he's Bill, I love you. (laughs) That's the first word I need to hear. But then what are you saying? And then as God speaks to us, you hear Jesus said, he gives me words, he gives me the tongue of a disciple so that I can speak a word that refreshes the weary. Because that's the beautiful thing about everything that God pours into your life that's alive is meant not only to bring you life, but to bring other people life. He pours life into us, he gives us the words of life, and then we get to pass those on to others. Amazing. Jesus sings about that, about hearing God speak, and then speaking those words that bring life. And so as you think about how this is gonna walk out and play out in your life, I hope that you'll think about it like Paul did. Paul said, I, I, "It's it's my passion to see others become mature in Christ, and I'm going after that with all of the energy that Jesus puts inside of me, because this is not something you do on your own and in your own strength. The Christian life is not on your own and in your own strength. It's only in the strength of the Spirit, only by the power of the gospel working in us that we will fulfill." the great commission. And so as we, uh, as we close our time, that's what I want to encourage you with. When you think about Jesus singing about listening and speaking and that you would know that he lives within you. And as you seek to live out that call to deeper discipleship, to be a disciple, to make disciples that, you know, Christ is living in me so that this actually happens. His power is working in you. So let's take a minute. I want to pray for that to happen in each of your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you. And actually, guys, stand up if you would. I want you guys to stand up. You've been sitting there. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to walk around, so it keeps my blood flowing, but I want you to stand up. Yeah, because that can kind of help Just re-engage your mind for a minute. Father, we ask you to show us Jesus. We ask that you would um, help us to hear even that that same song that Isaiah heard. We hear Jesus uh, listening to your voice and we thank you that you live within us so that we can hear your voice. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray as, as folks are here and they're, they're saying, I want, I, I, I want to put God first. Whatever's been first, I repent. I, I, I want to put that aside and put Jesus first. I want to turn away from those other things. Um, Lord, that you would give them grace. And Lord, you, you forgive our sins and you give us power over them. And Lord, that, that is, we seek to enjoy you, that you would help us. Um, and Lord, as we seek to learn how to confess our sins to others, that you would um, help us in that. We can see it in the scripture. Um, and I know sometimes that stuff like that gets can get off track. And so I pray that you'd help us be a church that knows how to bring our sin to Jesus and how to be real with each other so that we can make... Uh, the first commandment first. Um, and Lord, that you would help us as we seek to engage those around us uh, who are far from you. And we want them to hear about how good you are, come to know you, and then that we could walk with them and help them grow. That's a good thing, Lord. There's, <laughs> you're all about it. You're all about it. So thank you for that, Jesus. And let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. There's no hurry. And let him just breathe his encouragement in his life. This is abiding in Christ right now, in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com